0: Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Your host, as always, is Fred. Our desire is to encourage, exhort, and educate on biblical prayer through this podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help everyone God allows us to help achieve a growing, biblical, dynamic, and satisfying prayer life. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can reach us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you would like, you can make a positive review wherever you get your podcast. That would be appreciated. Welcome to today's episode of Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast.
1: Good evening, afternoon, or morning. It happens to be afternoon when I am doing the podcast. So I'm praying today, and I'm asking God to show us that he does not weigh our faith and then refuse to answer us if our faith doesn't measure up. Welcome again to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. My name is Fred, and I'm the host of the podcast. And I truly do rejoice that Jesus has given me the opportunity to share these truths about prayer. Now, I'm not unique in this position either. Everyone who teaches the Bible is in the same place. We need to trust that God is going to take his word and he's going to make it through the podcast or however you get God's word. And he's going to apply that word to you in whatever season of life you're in. And how he uses God's word in your life is very often not exactly what the teacher is teaching. I personally love it when that happens. People come to me all the time after a lesson and they tell me how their mind was led to a different passage or a different application of the lesson. It's just terrific because that's what God does. He teaches us. And so we do have to trust in that and I especially have to trust in that, that the Lord is taking his word and using it in your life. Now I mentioned Monday that we had some more exciting news about prayer and faith. And I am excited to do that in this podcast. And again, our theme is the fact that God's answers to our prayers are not limited by our faith, the measure of faith that we possess. Now, I do imagine we're going to cover this again, this subject again, and probably more deeply in a future podcast. Now, before we start, quickly before we start, I just wanted to remind you that in episode four of the podcast, we did see that God answers yes, exactly the way we pray sometimes. He answers yes, but maybe with a little twist other times. He tells us yes, but we need to wait. And sometimes he tells us no. Now the subject as to whether the answers of our prayers are hindered by our faith, the amount of faith we have, is actually a very important question. And it's important for two reasons. The first reason is that there are some teachers who teach That his answers are limited by our lack of faith. And most of the time, when a teacher teaches that, they're covering themselves. And they're covering themselves because they've made some outrageous promise. Usually it's tied with some donations to their ministry. And they tell you if you do this, if you do this by faith, that you're going to get a bunch of promises. And then when you don't get the promises, they want that. They want that. Promise that they made to not boomerang back on them, so they turn it on you, and you're the problem for not having enough faith. You may have heard them, and that does happen that way. And there are some teachers who misunderstand some things, and they're not with that motivation, greedy motivation, but they still have misunderstandings. But even if you've never heard that sort of teaching before from anyone, there might be times in your life, I know there has been in my life, when I'm afraid that my weaknesses or my lack of faith have kept God from answering me the way I wanted him to answer. Most of the time, they're short-lived moments, but they can be bothersome. If you've experienced that, you, you know what I'm talking about. So as we begin, just a quick reminder that in episode four, we see that God sometimes says yes. He sometimes says yes, but with a little bit of a twist. He sometimes says yes, but we need to wait. And sometimes he says no. And he does all this for his glory and our good. And we can't find any biblical prayer, Old or New Testament, in which God's answer is dependent on the faith of the supplicant. They're just not there. So, as I promised Monday, we want to look at that great news, that we do demonstrate our faith in prayer. That's what we talked about Monday. But we don't have to measure up for God to listen and for God to answer. Now, if you've listened for a while, you know that I'm not very clever So I'm going to try out for a little while the straightforward Puritan model of presenting the Word of God, and then we'll see how that goes. And I promise to try not to be boring in it as well. In this episode, then, we are going to look at two passages which are misused to teach that the answers to our prayers are dependent on our faith. And then we are going to look at three New Testament concepts which show clearly that that is not the case. That's not the way God works. First, then, in our misused passages, is Matthew 13, and we're going to look at 57 and 58 verses. 57 and 58, and this story is contained in all the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And synoptic, as you know, means seen together. So it's the same situations from different points of view, but the same stories, the same situation. And we find here in Matthew that Jesus is home in Nazareth, and we'll pick up our story in verse 53. And Matthew writes, And it came about that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there, and coming to his hometown, he began teaching them in their synagogue, so that they became astonished, and said, Where did this man get this wisdom, and these miraculous powers? Is it not this, the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, and his brothers James and Joseph, and Simon and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get these things? and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. This is one of the passages that I have heard used to show that miracles are dependent on faith. But let's read again verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. We do see in Mark that he did heal a few people there, but other than that, he judged Nazareth and didn't do any miracles there. There's no indication at all that Jesus was handcuffed and was not able to do the miracles. He judged that city and didn't do them. Now, we do find in Mark, in the at least in the New American Standard Bible, the 1977 version, which, as you know, is the version we use here on the podcast, Mark does say that he could not do miracles there? The answer to that is most likely, since he wouldn't do, Jesus wouldn't do anything without permission from the Father, that it was the Father who first judged this city and then told the Son. So it's highly likely that the could not just means that the judgment had been handed down and he wasn't going to do any miracles there. But we also see in the Gospel of Luke, we see the full measure, a fuller story of what happened here. And his preaching and his calling out the people of Nazareth Nazareth, for their unbelief enraged them so much that they all got up. They rushed to Jesus. They pushed him out of town to the top of a hill. They wanted to push him off a cliff. Of course, they weren't able to do that, but that's how angry they got. And it seems from reading the book of Luke that he may not even had time enough to do many miracles in Nazareth before they all got mad and pushed him out of town. Either way, Jesus' refusal to do miracles was a judgment on them, not a picture of his inability to do that, to do those miracles. And to a finer point, the rejection of Jesus is not low-level faith. It's no faith. So Matthew 13 isn't a picture of people's faith stymieing Jesus. It's Jesus' judgment on those people of no faith. Now, the second passage we want to use that's often misused comes in James. And it's in James chapter 1 verse 6 is where we're looking. And James says, But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And in the context, James is telling the people if they don't have any wisdom over the trials that they're in, to pray for wisdom, and God will give them wisdom. And then verse 6, he does say, But let him pray in faith. And I've also heard this used to show that our doubting keeps God from answering our prayers. But in the context of the whole passage, especially in the construction of verse 8 where James uses the word double-minded and unstable, those two words, it's not describing a low level of faith that believes God, it just is minor, it's just low. Maybe there's just a quarter of a tank left in the in the tank of faith. It's not describing that. He's describing a state of mind that's either hypocritical or not yet fully engaged in faith with God, and he's jumping back and forth. The person pictured is jumping back and forth, being pushed back and forth, not in faith, but in doubt. He doesn't know whether to trust the world or to trust God, and that's what makes him unstable. So this person James is describing is unstable. He hasn't put his trust in God yet. He doesn't believe that God is, and that God is willing to give the wisdom that James is talking about. So we see also in James that he's not talking about a low-level faith, he's talking about no faith. And those two are the most prevalent passages that I've heard to prove that God is constrained by our faith, how much faith we have. Now from there, I want to move to the three concepts, the New Testament concepts that we talked about earlier, that show unequivocally that God is not restrained by our faith. And the first concept we want to look at is there are plenty of times in the New Testament when Jesus laments the littleness of the faith of his followers. And sometimes he says, You unbelieving generation to them. Now he says these things in relationship to general worry in Matthew six, twenty five through thirty-four. He also says it in relationship to specific worries, like when the disciples are on the storm and the wind's blowing, in Matthew eight, twenty six and twenty seven. Jesus also says that when the disciples are worried about bread, the physical, when they should be worried about the false teachings, the spiritual. In Mark 4, 19, again, Jesus admonishes the disciples for not having enough faith to heal. And in Luke 5, 12, Jesus meets a man of little faith, and the man says, If you are willing... He doesn't come to Jesus and say, Man, I have all the faith in the world and I know you can heal me right now. He says, If you are willing. And what you'll find as you review those passages and more in the New Testament is Jesus never then talks about their littleness of faith and then tells them, So I'm not going to heal you, or I'm not going to teach you anymore, or I'm not going to give you the secret of not being anxious, because you don't have enough faith for those things. He follows through every time, every healing every teaching, Jesus follows through on what he was doing. So we have seen so far in our little lesson here that Jesus isn't limited by the little faith in Nazareth. And we've also seen from James, again, that he's not talking about a little faith. He's talking about no faith, that we don't really believe either that God is or that he's a rewarder of those who seek him in James. And the third concept we're about to look at in the New Testament is actually my favorite and we find it in Mark 9. And in Mark 9, we read about a father, a dad, desperate over his demon possessed son, causing him physical harm, and has been for years. And as the dad in the chapter tells his story to Jesus, he says, if you can, please help us. Now again, that's not a resounding request of faith. He says, if you can, please help us. And it's almost like Jesus is groaning. Oh, this unbelieving generation." In verse 23 in Mark 9, it reads this way And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, and I'm jumping from the passage real quick. Immediately, he probably barely got that sentence out Of course I believe. I'm here because I believe. I've heard all these great things about you, Jesus. I'm here because I believe. Back to the passage, verse 24. Immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him, and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up and he got up. This is a moving passage, like I said to me, and the reason that it's a moving passage is because I cannot count the times I have been on my knees crying out to God, I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief. If it was dependent on the measure of our faith, at least mine, no prayer would get answered. And we have seen in Jesus's dealing with Nazareth, and to James, dealing with unbelieving hearts in James 1, and now here in Mark, it's not dependent on us. God does hear. God is merciful, and he does answer, even if we cry out, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. God cannot be hurried. He can't be manipulated, and we can always trust that he will give us what is best in his time for his glory and our good. Those are the principles not the measure of our faith. And we've seen in the life of Paul earlier, again in episode 4, and if you read the story of Job and even of Samson and many more in the Old and New Testament, when he finally answers yes, no, wait, when he finally answers in time, he will explain himself, God will explain himself, and we will be humbled and satisfied and contented with his answers. And best of all for our eternal life, we will be moved to a deeper reverence and faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. That's what we're aiming at, isn't it? Even our inner man is aiming at that. Please, then, don't shrink back from sincere prayer to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't be ashamed or fearful over your little faith. He never says, your faith is running low, so I'm not going to answer you. But he does say in Isaiah 66, 2, For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. That's who he answers, not those who stand up and say, I've got a hundred gallon tank and it's full of faith, and so you're going to do what I tell you to do. He answers everyone who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at his word. Such is our God. Such is the glories of our God. Such are his mercies. God's mercies are from everlasting to everlasting. He is faithful, and he listens, and he gives us grace upon grace. Let us then pour out our hearts to him, everyone who believes, everyone who is a brother or sister in Christ. Let's pour out our hearts together without ceasing. Until Friday, may the Lord bless you and keep you and to make his face to shine upon you and to give you peace. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.